You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Have you ever played the game Telephone? This is a child's game where people gather around in a circle and somebody comes up with an original phrase, usually one or two sentences, and then they whisper it into the ear of the person next to them. And one by one, the message makes its way around the circle. And with each person that it goes through, the message gets a little bit more twisted and distorted from the original phrase until it makes its way all the way back to the source with a completely different phrase, completely different meaning. Now, this is fine when it comes to children's games, but I wonder if as the church with a capital C, how far have we come from the original message and method of doing church? How far has 2,000 years of religion, tradition, and man-made ideas taken us away from the way of Acts? You know, it's easy for us to read the words of the New Testament, but we're far removed from the ways of the New Testament. In his book, Dinner Church, Building Bridges by Breaking Bread, Verlin Fosner shares the fact that for the first 300 years of Christianity, they rarely gathered without a table and a meal in the middle. It was amazing how Christians didn't really meet in the way that we think of church being done today. They had a different context. You know, today where we're gathered in rows and somebody will preach from the front, that method of church really didn't exist until the 1500s when the reformers brought about this new way of doing church in an academic structure, teaching the scriptures. And here we are 500 years later and pretty much doing church mostly in the same way. But the way of the Acts church was around the table where we'd share food and stories just like Jesus modeled for his 12 disciples. Uh, Last week at the Listening Room Cafe during First Sunday Gathering, Pastor Heather Zempel kicked off the series at the table and she shared how the table has its roots in the Passover. Now the Passover was a sacred meal that the Jewish people would share to remember how God delivered them from the slavery of Egypt. And as you fast forward through the Old Testament, It brings us to Jesus sitting at the Last Supper with his closest friends on the night before he was crucified. And he breaks bread and shares a meal with them. Leonard Sweet, an author, calls this shift the new Passover. And it was a new way of doing church, so to speak. The presence of the table for the early Christians was consistent and undeniable for the first three centuries until Constantine took rule of Rome. You know, one of the reasons that Bridges calls ourselves a house church movement while we gather in homes is this hunger to get back to the original church, the Acts way of life. This one another lifestyle that changed the course of history and fastly advanced the gospel at an alarming rate. This week, we're going to gather in homes around the table and we're going to share testimony. And this is when we ask the question, what has God done in your life recently? What's one way that you've been able to share Jesus with others? And then after testimony, we're going to study scripture and dive into the word of God with one another. We'll pray, we'll worship, and of course, we're going to eat. And if that sounds really simple, it's because it is. You know, there's many examples in the New Testament of this type of gathering. The book, Mark, was written by a young man named John Mark. 
And he wasn't actually present during the events of Jesus' life, but he captured those events as Peter told them with papyrus and his pen. And they were gathered in Mark's mother's house church. Her name was Mary. Yes, it was a house church, arguably the first church that existed in Jerusalem. They would gather in a home and share a meal and listen to Peter share stories and lessons from the life of Jesus. Acts 12, verse 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. You know, Mary wasn't the only woman to lead a house church in the days of Acts. Right after Paul and Silas have their worship leading debut in a prison, and you know the story, the miracle of the chains breaking and Paul and Silas getting freed from prison. Right after that happens, they go to the home of Lydia, where there were believers regularly gathering. Acts 16, verse 40. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. And many of the letters that Paul wrote to the early church would have been read out loud in a house church, most likely over a meal. Colossians 4.15 says, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. You know, the new Passover was such a common practice in the early church that it's actually written about in records of ancient Rome. Pliny reports to the emperor Trajan around the turn of the first century about these gatherings. Here's what he wrote. They were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day, sang a hymn to Christ, bound themselves not to commit any wicked deeds after which it was their custom to partake of food of an ordinary and innocent sort. So here's the foundation of why the table is so important in this day and age. And sadly, I believe it's been forgotten. You know, we have a deep longing for connection with one another and with God. And I personally know that every time I sit down for a meal, whether it's at a coffee table, a picnic table, or a dinner table, I walk away feeling more connected. Side note, this is why we actually leave the tables set up in the listening room the way they are when we have our first Sunday gathering and third Sunday worship nights. It's like one of my good friends, Steve Pike, once told me, it's better to sit in circles than to sit in rows. You know, when I look back at my life, it's been marked by moments around the table. I think of the house church that my family was a part of when I was a young boy growing up in Florida. Every Sunday night, we would gather at the Mix family house with several other families for a potluck dinner. This is where everybody brings a dish, and you better believe it was a feast on Sunday night. I think about the small group that Sarah and I joined when we first moved to Nashville as newlyweds. We didn't know anybody in the city, but we gathered with about 20 young adults, and we talked about discipleship at the table. And then I think about Thursday night book club in Washington, D.C., when Sarah and I first moved to the Capitol. And we didn't know anybody, but sitting down over a meal, talking about books of faith that we would read through as a club, built relationship. And then I think of the way that we do house church here at Bridges Nashville, when we gather in homes on the second and fourth weeks of the month. I think about my kids who are ages seven and nine and how they gather at the table with adults and we pray together, we worship together. And how last week at First Sunday Gathering, I saw my daughter raise her hands in worship for the first time. You know, it's not so much about the meal or the table. It's about the words that Jesus said when he said, when you do this, 
remember me. Before I move on, I just have to encourage you. If you're not yet a part of a house church here at Bridges, don't miss out. Is what we're going to do this week. We do it every second and fourth week of the month. You can find more out about that by going to the link here on the screen. I can ensure you, if you're looking for an authentic, simple way of doing church, and you're looking for a good meal, house church just might be for you. Now, the term son of man was one of the ways that Jesus identified himself. In fact, he uses this term over 80 times in the New Testament, not only to show his humanity, but to mark himself as a representative for all of mankind. And interestingly enough, in the New Testament, there's only three ways that the complete sentence, the Son of Man came, appears. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 7.34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, the first two ways tell us why Jesus came. Jesus came to serve others and to seek and save the lost. But that last way tells us how Jesus came. He came eating and drinking. In fact, on that last one, Jesus was even accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. In his book, A Meal with Jesus, Pastor Tim Chester writes, a glutton, of course, is someone who eats too much, and a drunkard, of course, is someone who drinks too much. Jesus was seriously into eating and drinking, so much so that his enemies accused him of doing it in excess. In Luke 5.33, the religious leaders who never liked Jesus' approach tried to call him out. Here's what it says. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus did evangelism and discipleship around a table with grilled fish and a pitcher of wine. Now, obviously, Jesus was not a glutton. He was not a drunkard, but he loved to party with people. In fact, his very first miracle was saving a party at the wedding in Cana. And there's a reason that this is the very first recorded miracle of Jesus. Why? To give you an accurate picture of his grace. In John chapter 2, he turns water and wa- he turns water into wine not just to display his power, but to show you just how much he loves people. You see in ancient Middle Eastern culture, weddings were a big deal. They would often last several days and they were filled with dancing and eating and drinking. And if the host ever ran out of anything, it was a huge disgrace and it often signaled the end of the party. Jesus not only turns water into wine, but he gives it his extra touch, adding sommelier to his resume. John 2 verses 9 through 11. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Chester writes that Jesus' excess of food and his excess of grace are linked. In the ministry of Jesus, meals enacted grace, community, and mission. Case in point, 
Zacchaeus. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably remember seeing a song about the wee little man who climbed a sycamore tree. But the story of Zacchaeus is way more than just a short guy climbing up a tree. In Luke 19, we read, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. You know, in the ancient Hebrew culture, this was Jesus saying, I'm going to your house. We're going to share a meal and we're going to become friends. Zacchaeus was a man who was hated by the entire town. But Jesus didn't see him for who he was. He saw him for who he could be. An invitation to dinner was a recognition of worth. Meals take money, time, and effort. When you invite somebody to a meal, you're bestowing value on them. It means something, and God values everyone. But the funny thing here is that Jesus is actually inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house. And this is intentional because he's giving Zacchaeus the opportunity to play host, the opportunity to invest time, money, and effort into somebody other than just himself. And after Zac and Jesus spend some time at the table together, look what happens in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus took a man who was an enemy to most people and turned him into a friend. After some time at the table, Zacchaeus' life, identity, and standing with God and people were changed forever. Many years ago, in the days where the European church was being persecuted, an old Mennonite minister woke up to the sound of men on the top of his house tearing the tiles off of his roof in an attempt to drive him out of town. Getting out of bed, he asked his wife to prepare a big breakfast for the men. He went outside and said to the men, you've been working hard all morning. Surely you're hungry. Come in for some breakfast. Embarrassed and confused, they went in for breakfast. The minister prayed for their families and served them food. After the meal, they went back to the roof this time to put it together. Jean Leclerc once said, Jesus ate good food with bad people. His grace is shown at the table. Kind of makes you rethink why we call the blessing saying grace. So the wedding of Cana showed the power of Jesus and how much he loved to party with people. The story of Zacchaeus shows us the power of grace at the table. Now I want to close with a parable that Jesus told his followers, which tells us there are no strangers when it comes to the table. In Luke 14, Jesus goes to have a meal at the house of a religious leader in Israel. And he notices how everybody at the table is jockeying for position. They're very impressed with status. So Jesus straightens them out with a parable. And in it, we see that the gospel is for all who would come to the table. Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Dick Foth puts it this way. Jesus came to our place, took our place, and invites us back to his place. Christianity is the greatest rescue project the world has ever seen. We live in a world that's broken and hurting with many who may never step foot into a traditional church service, but maybe, just maybe, they show up to dinner. The question is, who is inviting them to the table? Let me ask you, who can you invite to a meal? Who can you invite into your life to share the table with? Who can you invite to house church to experience the Acts movement? Do it today. Don't delay. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.